Welcome back, Blue Shirts fans, to episode number 78 of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. I'm your host, John Chick. We are going to be talking today a little bit about the Rangers game tonight against the Winnipeg Jets. Stay tuned to the end of the episode for that. Just going to share a couple quick thoughts on that game. It is, of course, the beginning of a brief three-game road trip for the Rangers. They are going to be in Winnipeg at 8 p.m. tonight. And then they will go to Minnesota to play the Wild at 8 p.m. on Thursday. And then wrapping up the road trip on Friday in Columbus at 7 p.m. there. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. The Rangers have, of course, announced that Igor Shesterkin will start in the net. And in our last episode, you know, I, I wouldn't really call it a rant, but I just made a, kind of a passionate plea to the Rangers, if you will, about why Igor Shesterkin needs to be the man going forward. And I stand by those comments, and it looks like the Rangers are going to go down that route indeed. They will go with Shesterkin for a second straight game. He will be making his road NHL debut tonight. All six of his previous games were at home in the Garden, so that'll be interesting to see him get a little bit of taste of road hockey. And then we'll see how the Rangers continue to handle the goaltending situation going forward. They are, of course, playing the Wild and Blue Jackets on Thursday and Friday, respectively. So I don't expect Shesterkin to get both of those games, but he darn sure better get at least one of them, especially if he plays well in Winnipeg against the Jets tonight. So we'll talk a little bit more about that game toward the end of the episode. But one of the things I wanted to do here was bring back the trade deadline spotlight and if you guys are, if anyone's new to the show, if any any new listeners today, I did a special two-part trade deadline special in episodes 62 and 64, and what I did there was I ranked the Rangers' impending free agents in terms of least important to most important. We counted down eight through five in episode 62, and we counted down four through one in episode 64, and basically it's just what it sounds like. I tried to figure out, of these eight Ranger free agents, who is the most indispensable? Who would we most like to have back on the Rangers going forward after this season ends? But what I've been doing since then is every now and then I've been taking a look at Ranger players who are not impending free agents at the end of this season, but who might still be on the move in some kind of a trade before the deadline. And the first of our two players to be featured in the trade deadline spotlight today is going to be Brendan Smith. And he's a guy who We have to be honest here, I think it's fair to say he has not lived up to the contract that was given to him. He signed a four-year, $17.4 million deal with the Rangers, and he is in year three of that deal. Now, first, the good. I have been very complimentary of Brennan Smith for being selfless enough to change positions to help the Rangers this season. Not everyone in the NHL is going to be willing to do that. Not everyone is going to kind of embrace a new challenge like that, and I think that goes double for a player who's been in the league for as long as Brennan Smith has. He, he recently turned 31 years old. He made his NHL debut in 2011-2012. Not too many 30-year-olds get asked to change positions, and a lot of them would probably say no if they were requested to do so. Not, not a lot of them, but some of them certainly would. He was asked to change positions, and he did exactly that. Now, he does give the Rangers a physical presence and give him a lot of credit for being a team-first guy. However, this is not what the Rangers signed up for when they gave this massive contract to Brennan Smith. I I don't want to say massive contract, but this is a significant contract. The NHL salary cap is tight, and you can't just be giving 
four plus million dollars to players if you don't think that they're going to be big time contributors for your team. And when the Rangers gave this contract to Brennan Smith, of course, he came over as a rental kind of player. He was on an expiring contract with the Detroit Red Wings, and the Rangers extended him in the offseason, and they gave him this four-year, $17.4 million contract. And when they did that, I'm sure it's a safe assumption that the Rangers believed that they were getting, you know, a top four type defenseman. And he kind of stumbled in that role, and He's now had to make room for some other defense, and he's had to change to being a winger on the fourth line. And again, credit to him for doing that. Credit to him for being willing to do that. But fourth line players in the NHL are not supposed to be making $4.35 million per season. You just can't have a fourth line player take that big of a bite out of your salary cap space. And Brendan Smith has right now just kind of an albatross of a contract here. And in a way, this is kind of dead money for the Rangers. And if I'm being honest, I'm kind of over seeing Brendan Smith and Greg McKeg on the ice every night, you know, because both of these guys, they're kind of just placeholders for the Rangers right now. And Brendan Smith was a healthy scratch in the last game. A guy being paid $4.35 million a season is now not even at his primary position and not even dressing on every night. And this is not the first time this has happened this season where Brendan Smith is a healthy scratch. But with Smith and McKeg, you know, I know they're fourth liners, so you got to keep expectations in check. I know both will deliver some good hits every now and then. They're both physical, but I don't need to see any more. Neither guy is in any way, shape, or form a part of the Rangers' long-term plan. McKaig is a free agent after the season. Smith, going to be here next year if the Rangers don't strike some kind of a deal. And Brendan Smith, even when he actually dresses, he only gets 9 minutes and 49 seconds of ice time per game. And when you look at the other fourth-line players on the Rangers, look at Greg McKaig, okay? One year, $750,000. Michael Haley. One year, $700,000. Brennan Lemieux. Now, now Lemieux, I don't want to throw Lemieux in with this group because he has been a valuable player for the Rangers. He does give them a little bit of edge. He's a scrappy player. He gets the absolute most out of what he's got. And a guy who just kind of, I think, really kind of holds his teammates accountable. One of those guys who goes out there, kind of skates every shift like it's his last. And he's an impending free agent after the season as well, restricted free agent. And I hope the Rangers keep him around. However, Brendan Lemieux has spent some time on the fourth line this year. His contract is one year, $925,000. Let's even throw Jesper Foss in there. Now, Foss, again, a fan favorite, guy I really like, somebody who, again, I hope sticks with the Rangers after this season, even though he's going to be an unrestricted free agent. We'll see how they handle him at the trade deadline. But he has spent some time on the fourth line, and even Jesper Foss has a contract that pales in comparison to Brendan Smith. Foss is in the final year of a three-year $5.55 million contract. That's an average annual value of $1.85 million. And we could even toss Brett Howden in there. You know, he spent a lot of time on the fourth line this season as well. His contract, three years, $2.775 million, an average annual value of $925,000. So to really put this in perspective here and to understand just how overpaid Brendan Smith is in his current role with the Rangers, his role as a fourth-line player, and if you add up all the contracts of all those players I just mentioned, McKeg, Haley, Lemieux, Faust, Howden, and you add it all together and see how much money they're all making combined, you get $5.15 million per season, or at least this season. I know these contracts can fluctuate. Some are front-loaded, some are back-loaded. But bottom line, all five of those players this season combined making $5.15 million. Brendan Smith alone is making $4.35 million, and he's just a fourth-line forward. And, you know, again, the purpose of me sharing all this is not to get everyone to despise Brennan Smith, because I don't even dislike Brennan Smith. Look, they offered him the money, and he took it. Would any of us say no? And they asked him to change positions, and he did that too. So he's done everything that he's asked, but you got to be 
fair here and understand that Brendan Smith in his current role is clearly not worth this much money. And it's just counterproductive for any NHL team to shell out this type of money to a fourth line forward. Bottom line, if you're the Rangers, I think you got to be looking to move Brennan Smith. He just doesn't have the type of value to this team in the short term or in the long term that would make you think that it's a good idea to keep him here. And now what could they get in return for Brennan Smith? I don't know, because I would assume that whichever team trades for him would most likely be looking to move him back to defenseman. I mean, I don't know that for sure, but I think most teams that fancy themselves Stanley Cup contenders are going to be more interested with firming up the blue line with Brennan Smith than, than just sticking him out there on the fourth line. But, you know, I'm kind of stating the obvious here, but I think the Rangers are going to have a tough time convincing someone to pick up his contract. Smith is still signed through next season as well, but I would be all right with the Rangers moving him at the deadline and opening up a roster spot for somebody who could be called up from the Wolfpack and get some valuable NHL experience down the stretch. Again, Smith has been a healthy scratch this season multiple times, and they got to find a way to try to clear him out and make room for someone else. And whether that means eating some of the contract or just taking kind of a minimal return, you know, maybe like a really late round draft pick or, you know, a very moderate NHL prospect, maybe somebody who's not expected to be a superstar, but who could eventually, I don't know, blossom into like a bottom six forward type role. I think that would be fine. And to bring back the 10 scale here, I'm going to say it's a six out of 10 that Brendan Smith gets traded. I just don't think the Rangers have any real reason to hang on to Brendan Smith. And it might be a situation where they just got to take what they can get for him as a way to fill up a roster spot for one of these AHL kids going forward. But yeah, past the trade deadline, I'd really like to open up a roster spot for one of these Ranger kids to come up and play at the NHL level. Again, Brendan Smith, he might have some value to some other teams. It's possible, you know, especially if they move him back to defense. Maybe he kind of rediscovers his uh, his touchback there, becomes, you know, a solid player on one of these teams that's looking to contend for a Stanley Cup. But the Rangers, they got to be realistic as far as what the return is going to be because he just has not played well enough where any team could justify giving the Rangers a lot for Brendan Smith. So like I said, going to be a, either a moderate NHL prospect or a late-round draft pick at best, and it could also involve the Rangers eating some of the money. The other Ranger that I want to point the trade deadline spotlight at today was Brady Shea. His name comes up every so often in trade talks, and you know, Brady Shea, I, I like him overall. I, I do think he's underperformed, and, you know, I, I just have not seen him as the superstar level of player that the Rangers seem to see him as. But the thing that I keep coming back to is that we, as Ranger fans, had to watch this team move on from some of our favorite players. You know, guys like Matt Zuccarello, Ryan McDonough, JT Miller, Kevin Hayes, the list goes on and on. But the one guy that got a long-term extension through all of that was Brady Shea, and yes, he has had his moments at the NHL. There are times where he's played very well for the Rangers. There's times this season where he's played very well for the Rangers. But I've just never been able to look at him as a top-tier elite defenseman in this league. I just haven't seen it. He's just too inconsistent to call him that. But regardless, he got a six-year, $31.5 million contract from the Rangers that is an average annual value of $5.25 million, and it does not expire until after the 2023-2024 season. And this is just year two of that six-year contract. And what makes a trade even more difficult is the fact that the contract is backloaded. He's going to make most of his money in the final two years of the contract, $5.4 million in each year. Now, again, Brady Shea, not a bad player, not a bad defenseman. He's had his stretches this year where he's played quite well. But then he goes through these funks where you just don't really know what's going on with him. And as Ranger fans, can we really sit here and say, Man, we have really gotten our money's worth from Brady Shea. $31.5 million, money well spent. Where would we be without Brady Shea? 
I don't think any of us can realistically sit here and say that. And again, I don't want to be too tough on the guy here because he's had his moments. He seems like he's very well liked in the locker room. He seems like a really, really good guy. But the Rangers are basically paying him like he's an elite defenseman, and he's just not. I mean, he's he's a good defenseman at best and certainly an inconsistent defenseman. And for a while there, the Rangers actually moved Brady Shea down to the third defense pairing. And I, I know that with defense pairings, it's not as important as with forwards as far as which line you're on. You know, if, if you're a forward, you want to be on those top two lines. Those are typically the goal-scoring lines, the, the lines that are going to get the most ice time. And I don't think defense pairings mean quite as much as line combinations for the forwards, just because if you as a coach want to mix and match your defensemen, there's only so much you can do because there are only six defensemen dressed per game. So it's a much more fluid situation as far as guys moving up and down with the defense pairings. But still, with the money they're paying Brady Shea, it should be a no-brainer move that he's in a prominent position every single game and that he should be getting, if not the most ice time, then close to the most ice time among defensemen, and he should be the man, and he should be on the top defense pairing. That's what his contract would suggest. But we're at the point where the Rangers might legitimately have four defensemen who are all better than Brady Shea. I mean, look at Adam Fox. Look at Ryan Lindgren. Look at Tony D'Angelo. Look at Jacob Truba. Is anyone going to make the case that Brady Shea is definitely a better player than any of those guys? And I realize, you know, Fox and Lindgren, they're both rookies. They're both still kind of getting started, but they've been very good this season. I think they've both outplayed Brady Shea. Ditto for Tony D'Angelo, especially when you consider the offensive fireworks that he brings to the table. And I know Ranger fans are kind of split on Jacob Truba. You know, he's been a little inconsistent himself, but I would have to rank him ahead of Brady Shea right now. So, I mean, you add all that up, you you take into account the fact that the Rangers might legitimately have four defensemen on the NHL roster who are all better than Brady Shea, and then you look at some of these Ranger defensemen who could be coming down the pipe. You've got Ke'Andre Miller, you've got Niles Lundqvist, you've got Joey Keane, you've got Liber Hayek. He's eventually going to get another shot with the Rangers. And I don't think this team would desperately miss Brady Shea if he was traded. The challenge here, if you're the Rangers, is finding an NHL team that would take a chance on Brady Shea. And there may not be any hope in working out any kind of deal that does not involve the Rangers eating at least some of the money that is owed to Brady Shea. You know, if you want to get creative, maybe they can package him in a deal with Chris Kreider or Alex Georgiev as kind of a salary dump. We'll see. I really don't think Brady Shea ends up getting traded just because the contract is so big, and I don't think he has quite yet lived up to it. And really, I mean, the Rangers, they're just going to have to keep their fingers crossed that he eventually plays up to this contract because, again, this is only year two. We're only halfway through year two of a six-year contract. And I don't know which team in the NHL would would take on Brady Shea's contract with, with how he's played this season. Again, he hasn't been terrible, but he has not performed at an elite level like his contract would suggest that he should be. So let's go with the 10 scale. I'll say a three out of 10 that Brady Shea gets traded. I I just think it's going to be too much of a challenge to move that contract. Maybe if you're the Rangers, again, you can get creative and kind of bundle him in with another trade. You know, if Kreider gets dealt or Georgiev gets dealt or I don't know, maybe even uh, if Strom or Foss or D'Angelo, any of these guys, maybe you just kind of throw Brady Shea in there as well and you get a team to kind of take on that contract. But that's a big commitment for any team that trades for him because they're going to have another four and a half years of Brady Shea. And Brady Shea, of course, is making a lot of money. So, yeah, I mean, we'll see. We'll see what the Rangers do. But I just don't see him being on the move. And I know his name comes up every now and then. And maybe the Rangers would like to clear some, some cap space. But right now, yeah, three out of 10 for me that Brady Shea gets traded. 
the other thing I got to mention here before we wrap up for the day is I did a guest spot on the Locked On NHL podcast yesterday, so I would strongly encourage you guys to check that out. Covered a lot of the things that, you know, we tend to talk about a lot here, but kind of brought it to more of a, a national stage, and Sarah Avampato of Locked On Kings was hosting Locked On NHL. She does a fantastic job with both shows. We recently, of course, did a crossover episode, Locked On Rangers and Locked On Kings. But she also had Tom Gazzola of Locked On Oilers to talk about the Battle of Alberta on Locked On NHL. And Joe Boley and Tony Krasentic of Locked On Wild also joined Locked On NHL to talk about whether the Wild should buy or sell at the deadline because they're kind of one of those teams that could go either way. So, so yeah, you know, a lot was covered on that episode of Locked On NHL. I think it, it it's a great listen. It's cool to kind of hear some of the other hosts and hear what's going on around the NHL. So I strongly encourage all you guys to check that out again. That is yesterday's episode, Monday's episode of Locked On NHL. So the Rangers, as we said, going to be back in action tonight at 8 p.m. in Winnipeg against the Jets. And this is the start of a three-game road trip for the Rangers. It is also Game 7 of this eight-game stretch that I've really kind of been fixated on post-All-Star break here. And again, the reason why this was such a big stretch for the Rangers is seven out of the eight games that they were playing after the break were going to be against teams that were on the outside of the playoff picture looking in, including the Winnipeg Jets. Now, I should amend this a little bit because since then, the Jets have actually crawled back into the playoff picture. If the season ended right now, they would in fact be the last team in the playoffs in the Western Conference. They are 29-23-5. and That is good for 63 points. And they are tied with the Arizona Coyotes for the second wildcard spot although the Jets have played one less game than the Coyotes have. So right now, that would be the Jets' playoff spot. And the Rangers, they've got to understand they're going up against a desperate team tonight. They're going up against a team that had expectations to be in the playoffs, maybe even make a deep playoff run. I mean, the Jets have a lot of talent on this team. You've got your Mark Shifley's, your Patrick Lanes, your Blake Wheeler's, uh, Kyle Connor, Nikolai Ehlers. It's a very talented team, a team that can score some goals, and a team that probably, at least in my estimation, has maybe underachieved a little bit this season. I expected them to be you know, pretty comfortably a playoff team, but that hasn't really happened. I mean, they are playing a little bit better recently. Like I said, they have crawled their way back into the playoff picture, and they have won three consecutive games coming into this matchup with the Rangers tonight. So it should be a good game. I can really expect a a festive playoff-like atmosphere tonight. The Jets tend to have uh, really raucous home crowds, and, you know, Igor Shesterkin's got his work cut out for him here on his first road start. If Shesterkin goes out there and only gives up, you know, one or two goals tonight, then, I mean, it's just going to be amazing because he's been great so far through these first six games, but to go on the road for the first time and shut down a team that can score goals like the Jets can, that would be extremely impressive. So definitely looking forward to see what Igor Shesterkin can come up with tonight. The Jets have not announced a starting goalie as of yet, but we'll keep our eye on that. And Yeah, another big two points on the line for the Rangers. I really want to see them close out this eight-game stretch with hopefully six wins. They're four and two right now. If they can win this one and then go to Minnesota and defeat the Wild, that would be huge. And then maybe at that point, you start talking about the playoffs being a little bit more of a possibility than it seems to be right now. And just to update everybody there as well, the Rangers currently sitting at 27, 23, and four. So exactly 500 if you count the overtime losses as losses, which I do. I mean, I know they count as points, but you know, a loss is a loss. They've won 27 games. They have lost 27 games. And all that is good for 58 points. They are 11 points out of the postseason. You know, it just seems like these teams in front of them never lose. I mean, the the Flyers right now are the last team into the playoffs, and they are 7-2-1 in their last 10 games. None of these teams are slumping. It it just seems like everybody kind of just keeps winning, which kind of defies logic, because if somebody's winning these games, then shouldn't somebody be losing them? 
I don't know. The, the Rangers have their work cut out for them if they're going to make the playoffs. Again, it, it's becoming a remote possibility, especially when you consider that they very well could be sellers at the deadline. But I want to keep hope alive for as much as possible, and that starts tonight, or rather continues tonight, with a big two points on the line in Winnipeg. And one other announcement I just wanted to make before signing off here for the day is I am going to be on vacation in March. We're going to be heading to, to Las Vegas for about a week. We're going to be there from Tuesday, March 10th through Friday, March 13th. And so during that week, there's not going to be five Locked On Ranger episodes. I'm going to do my best to get you guys, I think three episodes is the plan, because I can definitely do one on Monday, and then I'll just set two other episodes to go live at different times during the week. Maybe we'll do like a Monday, Wednesday, Friday kind of deal for that week. So again, just wanted to give you guys a little bit of a heads up there, and we'll come back with uh, five episodes the following week, as we always do here. And as for this week, I don't think we're going to have an episode on Thursday. You know, we did the bonus episode on Sunday, so that kind of took the place of what would be a Thursday episode. And the other thing that we've got coming on Locked On is we're going to do a special trade deadline special where all of the Locked On hosts contribute to a project where we basically just kind of analyze what our teams might be doing at the trade deadline. So you got that to look forward to. I think that's going to be a really fun episode. Just kind of look around the league and just get kind of a brief glimpse into what every single team in the NHL is going to be looking to do at the trade deadline. So I don't know when the release date is going to be for that, but I will keep you guys posted on that. And you've got that to look forward to as well. A lot of good stuff coming. And again, enjoy the game tonight. And let's just keep our fingers crossed that the Rangers can pick up another two points and just kind of stay within somewhat striking distance of the playoffs. So again, thanks again, guys. And if you want to get in touch with the podcast, send an email to LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Again, that is LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. And absolutely, give us a follow on Twitter at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Again, that is at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Thanks again, guys. I'll see you next time.